You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now? A practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. I'd like to begin by calling in the spirits to gather around us here today. So I call out to our ancestors, to my own, to yours, to all of those who will listen to this show at any point in time. I call out to those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful into our lives. I call out to those who bring us the legacy of those who have gone before us. And I ask that they be with us in a way that we might learn from that legacy, that we might use those treasures in our lives today. That we might bring that great richness of humanity's wisdom and insight and humor and inspiration that we might bring that energy into our lives and do what we must do as the living to bring those energies forward that we choose to heal we choose to change we choose to innovate and to embrace the diversity here in the everyday world and go forward sometimes in new ways but always based on that rich wisdom that is stored there in the ancestors. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us, not just the human being ancestors, but the ancestors of this planet, of this world, all the way back through the elements to the very beginning. I call out to these great grandmothers and grandfathers to be with us here today to help us to understand what it means to be human and how to do this humanness in a way that is of grace and of alignment and it is of our own true nature that we might be the peace that we're meant to be in the great oneness and so i call out to the earth below and as we send our energy down into the earth i call out to the earth this great and essential ancestor that gives us home and place and belonging so i call out to the earth in great gratitude for this day for life for beauty for the possibility of change that exists in every moment, for the reality of a place for rest, restoration, rejuvenation, and replenishment. I give thanks to the earth for the great yin energies of this human experience here, and may we begin to turn our attention in that way, as at least in the northern hemisphere, as that season is coming. So I call out to the earth to be with us here today, that we might know our place in the oneness of all things, that we might know through that right relationship with ourselves, right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment and the non-human beings, and right relationship with the spirit world. I give thanks to the earth for home for connection and interconnection and the deep belonging that comes not only through our connection in this time to the earth but through the earth to our ancestors those who have walked on this planet before us may we know that our great loneliness and isolation is not so much about those people around us today but our relationship with those who have gone before us and those who are coming so i call out to the earth to help us to remember how to be here in form in a good way 
And with our energy connected into the earth and gratitude and the ancestors circling round, I invite you to reach up through your heart and mind all the way through the layers of the sky up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you name that divine energy to call that energy down into yourself, into our circle, into your day. And with that energy, draw into yourself protection. Draw in blessing and generosity, benevolence, and all that is here for us in this universe. All the wisdom of the universe and all the great energy that allows us to come here and to manifest in a way that allows us to bring our gifts to the world. That we are not just a mindless machine rolling along programmed by our ancestors, but we each come with a unique soul's purpose. We reach up to that divine energy to help us to remember why we are here. So we call that energy in and allow the energy of the sky to mix deeply in our bellies with the energy of the earth and let this great yin-yang dance of life dance within us into balance, to bring us into balance in this day. And from that place of balance within, let us reach up to our heart and open the heart and call out to the spirit of the heart to be present. And let the heart be what it is uniquely able to be, which is that place that can hold the fiery passions of the belly and the crystal clarity of the mind together in such a way that the third energy is born into our awareness, into our heart, and into the alignment and resonance with our body. And that third energy is our sense of why we are here and our ultimate knowing of our soul's purpose. And may we find in our heart the courage to live that purpose and bring our gifts to the world. So I give thanks for all of these energies gathered around us here today. May what needs to be said be said, and what needs to be heard be heard, and may all things go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I give thanks to these energies, the ancestors, the earth, the sky. I give thanks for life. I give thanks for the beauty of this day the changing of the seasons. And I want to give thanks to Ellie for her sweet surprise. Thanks to Last Mass Center community for their generous donation that keeps the show on the air and all other listeners that have donated uh, to the show this week. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, please donate. Um, As soon as there are no more donations, there will simply be no more show because I will know that it is no longer useful and valuable out there in the world and that this show in a sense is a conversation. And as long as the spirits see this as a valuable way to get teachings out into the world and see that they are being received and valued, they will keep coming. And so I ask you to stay in that conversation with me. If you're in it, make sure that we know that. Help us with questions. Help us with um, show ideas. Help us by sharing the show, helping it to grow strong, linking the show website, uh, whyshamanismnow.com, to your own website help help the show to grow and in that way we will continue to know not just me but the spirit world will continue to know that this medium is of value to you and it gives you information teachings inspiration irritation agitation whatever it is that you gain from it that it gives it to you in a way that allows you to be moved And from that movement in the heart allows you to be more yourself, your true self in this world. And as long as that is happening, let us know. And when that no longer happens, we'll have to move on to other things. So for those of you that would like to donate to the show and do not know how, you are welcome to go to whyshamanismnow.com, which is the show site. All of the shows are archived there. You can click on the support button and donate to the show, any amount of money, large or small, all of it goes directly to keeping the show on the air with our lovely network, cocreatornetwork.com. 
And we give thanks to them for simply existing and through their existence, allowing us to exist as well. So with that said, I'll move on to the topic of the show today, which, which gives me an idea for one other thing you could do to help the show. I, I wanted to, to offer this show today about the, about the vitality of the subtle energy body, to have it be um, just ripe with beautiful poetry from the world's great uh, mystic poets, etc. And I couldn't do that. So if, as you listen to the show today, you are reminded or inspired of such a poem, please feel free to send it to me. And maybe some other version of the show will be on the air and those uh, mystics will be um, appreciated as they truly deserve to be. So today's show is live. You are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Uh, and you can also see um, the upcoming classes for the winter and the spring, the beginning in 2012 of the first year of the cycle teachings. All of these things are up on the website now at lastmaskcenter.org. All right. So with that said, we're moving on to today's topic, the vital energy body. And I've been thinking about this class for quite a while now, actually, and um, kind of circling around it, coming at it from many different directions, and in a sense, waiting for certain pieces to be laid down in other shows. And so there was quite a bit um, in the altar show about, or the show on altars, working with altars, creating altars, which was several weeks ago, um, about your energy and the shape of your energy body and how your energy body is reflected in the shape of your altar, the energetic shape of your altar. And then in the next week, we actually, we talked about shrines and the relationship um, of ourselves as an energy being with these non-human energies in our environment that, that primarily benefit us and helping us to be here physically in a good way. And so there were some pieces laid down in those shows. And then there was a show about picking up your medicine, which I think talks about one of the most critical arcs, um, archetypal arcs of life that we are in and explains some of the chaos that we experience in our physical body, in our health, in our well-being. And that was another piece laid down. And then, of course, a huge piece comes through Michael Dunning in his great show last week about um, slowing down into a more natural rhythm, one that is more suited to the yin aspects of who you are, that if you exist... I mean, Michael didn't say this, but the way I would interpret it Taoistically is if we exist in this physical world and in some way we do, or you couldn't be listening to me, um, we are yin and yang creatures and that those energies operate and nourish and cultivate each other in wholeness as, as one, as, as um, two aspects of a wave or two parts of the beat of a heart that they, that they are each leads to extinction on its own to, well, to a kind of death on its own yet together they are life. And that part of what Michael was talking about was slowing down enough to begin to tune in to the rhythms of nature. And in my experience through the Taoistic practices, what that really means is beginning to tune into 
the things that we can do in our life to cultivate the yin aspects of our nature. And in so doing, we restore, replenish, rebuild, um, and develop our own internal accountability and dependability and the qualities that allow us to sustain the true expression of ourself that comes out of that as the yang, the true yang emerges from the true yin. So these are all pieces and they're all sort of bigger pieces of this idea of what is it, what does it take to um, express the vitality of an energy body as a human being and why should we bother? How do we do it and why should we bother? And so as I said, I've been thinking about this class for a long time and trying to lay down pieces so I'd have some kind of foundation to stand on to talk about it. And this morning, as I was um, coming home from my practice with my partner, I told him that maybe the topic is just too big. And he said, well, what's your topic today? And I said, well, it's about the vital energy body and the physical body and how the two um, interface. And he just laughed at me. You know, as if to say, oh, you think one hour to talk about that might not quite be big enough for one of the biggest issues of our physical existence. So anyway, he just laughed at me. So yeah, an hour is really not enough and the topic's too big. And that's part of the reason that every time I think about it, I'm seeing a different face of it because it's huge. So anyway, we're going to do it. We're going to forge ahead today anyway, um, knowing that we will probably be talking about just, just the tip of this iceberg. Nonetheless. And I also wanted to say, you know, I'm not ignoring what's going on right now in our world um, and that I actually have an upcoming show on spiritual activism, um, but I wanted to offer it when there's been some time to gain some perspective. I'm, I don't really believe in news and the constant agitation without real information. And so it's not that I'm not paying attention um, and don't feel that it is of value and that we shouldn't talk about it. Um, But I wanted to talk about it because I feel like anything important that's going on right now in our world requires that we engage with it and and think and feel and respond, not just react. Um, And I think there's um, really powerful things happening and I would like to be able to talk about it um, in a responsible way. Uh, So so I'm forging ahead with the plan. Um, because I think that our our disconnect here in America, I can't speak for any other country. I've never lived in another country long enough to know. But I, I feel that here in America, even though different regions of America are very different, they are like different countries and frankly, practically speak different languages, which is something a lot of people who don't live here don't understand. But if you travel this country, you will see what I mean. Nonetheless, across this country, I feel that it is our disconnect between our physical life and our energy body and then its interface to our spiritual life that is in and of itself part of the roots of part of the problems that we are facing right now. So with that said, I've I've done my best to shape what I do want to talk about in today's show about the vital energy body from that perspective. How do we heal? How do we change? How do we manifest something new that is not simply a new version of the old pattern? And this is actually what I've been talking about on the show since it started in 2009. 
how do we manifest? How do we truly transform and thus manifest something new? Because we are really, really, really good at manifesting a new version of the same old pattern. And that's not good enough. And that is the particular strength of actual shamanism. Not just simplistic shamanism, but actual contemporary shamanism. It was the strength of ancient shamanism as well. But it is the strength of true shamanism in the contemporary world. We just all have to be willing to actually go there. So that's the perspective I think I've shaped or I'm trying to shape what we'll talk about today. Because we live in the time when the sacred texts of most of the world's people are available on the internet in some language for anyone to see. I mean, you may not be able to translate them for yourself, but they're all out there. Just, well, maybe not all, but a whole lot is out there. And the teachings have become available to the people. But for the large part, we do not make ourselves available to the teachings. In my experience... When I focus on the energy teachings versus the more shamanic teachings, in other words, when I focus on the things you actually need to do yourself to practice shamanism well versus the actual shamanic practices, getting to go off into trance states and journeys and all that fun stuff, but you actually need to pay attention internally, invariably people start asking me questions like, well, are you talking about the causal body or the subtle body or this body or that body and throwing names around in Sanskrit translations and this and that from India and this and that from Tibet. And, and what, I, what I listen or what I, what I hear when I listen to these people is – Avoidance is actually what I hear. But more importantly, what I see is the energy spinning in the mind. And I, and I see the person's body and I see how desperately that person doesn't want to live there. And, and, and this is sometimes most true with those people who spend the most time kind of geeking out about the energy body. I mean, some of the people that consider themselves the most erudite um, intellectuals about the energy body are those who least want to live in theirs. But they live in their mind thinking about a beautiful energy body, visualizing the beautiful energy body, but not necessarily living the practices and thus manifesting a beautiful energy body, which then correlates into a beautiful physical body, which they are more than happy to live in. And so... For most people, whether it's the causal body or the subtle body or the whatever body, all those bodies is too much information for you. Most of us don't need to go there. For most of us to simply practice with the basics of a vital energy body is all we can do in a lifetime. And in doing it, it will change the quality of our life. And the only people that need to know about all those other levels are those people who are in this life for that path of mastery. And for the rest of us, I'm sorry, it's just more too much information. And it's not helpful, and it keeps us up in our head, and it keeps us out of the practice, the practices, excuse me. So what I want to talk about today are just the really the basics. And, and as I've said before, I think one of the things about the basics these days is most people skip over them. I mean, in the old days, ancient times, you had to go on a journey, often literally, to get to the teacher who would teach you the things you wanted to know. Whether that journey was 
the trans- a transformative vision quest where you met your spirit teacher or whether you literally had to go on a pilgrimage and watch and, and walk hundreds of miles. On that journey, you would learn the basics because the only way you could accomplish or complete that journey was to have learned the basics. But today, you click and Google and you get the information. You pay for a class. You go off and get the class. That, that there is no journey or there is no rigor to the journey. And in that, the basics are missed. And as we watch many magnificent practitioners taken out by the lack of the basics, you understand that what I'm saying is, is true, that none of us are so evolved that we don't need to maintain the basics of what it means to be a human in an energy body. And I count the Dalai Lama in this and all of those people that are just beyond our capacity to imagine how enlightened they are. They're still in a body and the body still needs to be maintained and the energy body still needs to be maintained through practices. Okay, so where were we? So if we, if we again, way, way too much information on the internet and I'm going to share a little bit from the internet because I thought it wasn't so bad. Um, but I have no idea where I even got it. I just got so lost in, in all of the clicking and, and linking and relating to everything that's out there about the energy body on the internet. So this one, um, this is a quote. This piece is a quote. So each of us inhabits an energy body whose interactions are the principal determinant of all we see, feel, think, or otherwise perceive. Even as modern science is establishing the uncertainty of physical matter, it is asserting the reality of our existence as interconnecting quantum field energies. For over 5,000 years, shamans, and in particular in this quote, the person was referring to the Toltec traditions, but this is true around the world, have studied and worked with the energy body, the physical body, the energy body. Anyway, let me quote. So for over 5,000 years, shamans of the Toltec tradition have studied and worked with the energy body, learned to recognize and understand its structure and perceptual capacities, as well as mapping it as an objective, measurable part of our anatomy. And I would say something similar like that is true about most of the shamanic practices around the world, those that are still practiced today and those that are no longer being practiced. But the point of this is, in other words, we humans, we are a particle and a wave. Deal with it. We have to deal with that consciously. We can't choose the one we like and ignore the other or frankly ignore them both and live in our heads. And that shamans have always known this and in some way have cultivated the practices for this given their, the environment that they lived in. I mean, the only re- the real distinction in the practices has to do with environment, not so much about um, different practices and different energy bodies, but just different ways to utilize or to connect with the energies of the environment to support one's human energy body. So if we just sort of summarize what's out there on the internet – Part of what's out there on the internet is simply evidence. In other words, measuring. 
<laughs> I mean, evidence, facts. I mean, one of the things about going to college around hard science is you start to realize, wow, you know, science is really just the collection of things we've figured out how to measure. And that what we've learned to measure isn't really any more factual than the stuff we haven't learned how to measure. We just know how to measure it. So evidence, in other words, means things we've learning to me- we're learning to measure. And so an example of this would be there's an, emer- an emerging discipline that is measurable called bioenergetics. And this studies the flow and exchange of energy in the body and between the body and other things. So there's there's evidence out there on the internet. There's also knowledge. So we also have the knowledge that conscious awareness shapes our reality. And because of this, it can be used to enhance or interfere with the functionality of the human energy body. Okay, so what else do we know from out there? We also know that whether our energy body is healthy or not, that humans are able to use skills like shamanic trance gates, to navigate a myriad of realities in our world. So in other words, the fact that you can move between realms doesn't mean you have a healthy energy body. So they're not linked. Your energy body and your ability to move through... For example, I have seen many clients who are able to work in the astral realm, for example. And yet they're a wreck in the physical world. And so the fact that we can enter other altered states is not proof that we've got the energy body figured out. Okay. So uh, because of the above, because we can enter other states of being without necessarily being um, conscious ourselves, that there are ethical concerns in developing ability without consciousness and other ethical concerns in developing consciousness without the ability to take action. And so, once again, this whole relationship between the physical body where we take action, the energy body, and the spiritual body, and that how these all operate together. It's not enough to just get a big fat spirit body and not do anything with it, bringing it into the world. Anyway, back to the summary of things on the internet. Another thing that's obvious out there is that there are specific skills to cultivate and repair the energy body that come from many different traditions – as well as ways to enhance and flourish in our energy so that we flourish in the physical world every day, in the everyday world, and that we can enhance our spiritual development. So this is what I'd like to share because I, as I try to figure out why with so much information out there about the energy body – Why do so few people pay any attention to that information? I I don't, I, it's a mystery to me. So it's been a mystery for a while. And so as I've, as I've talked with people and tried to understand this with the people that come to me as clients and students, I see that there is um, a a misunderstanding or a confusion um, because there's really two different kinds of energy in the energy body for lack of a better word so now we're already in the problem of understanding any of this is that we just don't have enough words which goes back to the causal and subtle and blah 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 but let's just stick with basic english here in the energy body there are structures in other words there are energy meridians there are chakras 
there are parts of your energy body that you cannot know anything about, utterly and completely ignore, and they will still be there. And for some people, if you make choices and live in basically a good way, they'll still be there in a reasonably healthy form. There are also parts of the energy body that are utterly and almost completely shaped by our consciousness. Back to the piece that I said before about um, our awareness now that consciousness, our conscious awareness shapes our reality. And we know this, um, there are many different science versions of that. There are many annoying new age versions of that. And then there's the basic reality here in the middle, which is where we live. But basically, our consciousness shapes our reality in utterly mundane and profound ways. So because of this, there are also aspects of the energy body that interface completely with the energy meridian body and the chakra body. In other words, the structures of the energy body. So there are these other parts of the energy body that are almost completely shaped by your conscious awareness or your lack of conscious awareness. And so while your chakra system, barring serious trauma, will largely stay intact, it may be unused, but it'll be there, there are other aspects of your energy body that if you don't visualize them and send energy to them and cultivate them and create an awareness of them, like your grounding, it simply won't be there. Like your boundaries, they simply won't be there. And so... That's part of the huge confusion, I think, around what is the energy body and what do we need to do to have a healthy one is that not all the same practices work the same. And there, because there are these sort of structural components within the energy body and then there are other aspects of the energy body where form almost completely follows thought, if not completely. So structures so there's um so just an example examples of dysfunction in these structures would be i think the common language today would be some sort of block or um a block in a chakra or some sort of dysfunction in a chakra energy i hear people talking about that some chakra being shut down or blocked or somehow unable to really access that energy. Another version of dysfunction in the um, meridians, for example, the energetic meridians of the body would be um, where the structure's there, but the energy running through the structures is um, strongly patterned uh, in excess in a particular way. So part of the language that goes with energy meridians is elemental balance because it's in the five elemental um, Chinese medicine or Japanese medicine system or Korean medicine system. So Asian, let's just say pan-Asian medical systems. Okay. So in other words, if you as a child learn that it's absolutely critical that you are perfect then you will spend the majority of your life in terror because, of course, none of us can be perfect all the time. And, and half the time, we can't even figure out what perfect would even look like, right, because the game is always changing. So we live in terror. So because we're living in this underlying terror, which we've normalized, right, because it was th- we think it was completely reasonable for our parents to 
make us feel that we need to be perfect. So we've normalized that. So it creates this constant fear of survival, which triggers our fight or flight response. But of course, we're living in everyday ordinary life. We're not fighting or flighting, right? And so the adrenaline and all the hormones that get kicked into our system to fight or flight, that response is then followed by the cortisol response, which is supposed to help us to um, process all of that, to burn all of that. And consequently, all of that constant triggering of the fight or flight response has got the amygdala of our brain hugely overdeveloped. Well, overdeveloped. I mean, not get carried away here. Overdeveloped. And the hippocampus, which is supposed to help us discern, is this a legitimate fear or not, which we're supposed to be able to start to figure out after we're teenagers. Is this a legitimate concern or not? Do I need to trigger my fight or flight response? Or is this really just something normal? That part of the brain doesn't develop as well. And so consequently, this hyper dramatic pattern is running in our energy system. And so the meridians in and of themselves are fine, but the energy running through them is caught in a pattern of imbalance, which over time creates huge patterns of imbalance in high blood pressure, um, the inability to get out of a high stress pattern, high blood pressure. Oh, I said that already. Um, All of these high stress problems that really, that result either in larger health problems or simply an inability to sleep or digest our food well because we're always in fight or flight, not in the state of being where we're not fighting or flighting. We're calm. We're sitting here and we're able to digest. So these are patterns that can be set up in the structures. These are what the dysfunctions in the structures of the energy body can look like. So now the practices then in the structures, so very simple practices for chakras are simply to begin a visualization practice of, um, well, first, if you know nothing about chakras, you need to learn about chakras. The next is not just to be able to visualize what your chakras would look like if they were healthy but to actually be able to develop the ability to move in your inner landscape. And this is actually very similar to the state of mind that one is in when they're in a good shamanic journey where they're focused on their task, but they're open and surrendered to what, and have surrendered up their imagination to be able to have the experience in the journey. This is very similar to a good inner visualization. And this is the main reason that I don't encourage my students to use guided visualizations unless they're trying to train a particular new thing within themselves, but to learn to go on their own inner visualizations so that they can discover from the wisdom of their own body what is going on in their own chakra. Because if you're always using someone else's CD, you're not necessarily discovering what is true for you. You're not necessarily allowing your body's wisdom to guide you to where you need to go. And other than learning the landscape, the basic structures, after that, you shouldn't need anyone else to guide you. Just as in a true shamanic journey, you are on your own with your helping spirits. Internally, as we would develop practices to cultivate the chakra structure, of the energy body, we need to be on our own in our inner landscape with our inner healer 
and the wisdom of the body. And our helping spirits can join us there as well if we have them. But the point is you need to begin to access your own inner body's wisdom, not always listen to somebody else's CD. That's a practice for cultivating the health and well-being of your chakras. To a practice for cultivating the health and well-being in the energy meridians is the practices, and there are gajillions, Qigong practices out there to begin to cultivate the and balance the energies to move in the energy meridian systems. So you don't even have to go figure that one out. Now, the trick to that, of course, is you need to actually understand where that practice is sending your energy so that it's actually balancing. If you're already in a stressed out state, you don't want to be doing a Qigong practice that lifts your energy up. You want to be doing a practice that is drawing your energy down. This is very general not diagnostic, but very generally speaking. I'm just trying to speak from common sense here. Similarly, if you tend to be depressed, you don't want to be doing energies that are just bringing your energy, uh, practices that are just going to bring your energy down. You want to be doing practices that begin to stir that energy and lift it up. So just basic stuff. But my point is there, is, there are very simple daily practices out there for the, to, to cultivate and maintain the health and well-being of the structures of your energy body. Uh, So let me take this a step further. In any therapeutic process that you're engaged in, that should be coupled with its complement. Now that you know this about your energy body, that you should realize then that therapeutic processes of your own healing, they're great processes, but part of the reason we don't get as much as we should out of that work is that they're not coupled with their complementary practice. In other words... Let's say that you're in great therapy and you're dealing with chronic feelings of powerlessness in the face of, frankly, it doesn't matter. It could be authority. It could be other women. It could be other men. It could be your soul's purpose. I don't care what it is. It doesn't really matter. The point is chronic feelings of powerlessness. And let's say you have great therapy, you have a great therapist, and you work through your chronic feelings of powerlessness. Then you would logically go to the third chakra. Because issues of will and power are third chakra issues. So that therapy is complete in terms of your mental self. But that healing isn't complete until you work on the complementary pattern that was created in your third chakra. So there's a chronic third chakra pattern of powerlessness. And that changing your mind in therapy, and I mean that positively, that's what therapy does. It helps us change our mind. Changing your mind in therapy is not going to change the habit of powerlessness in your third chakra because those are two different levels of energy. And so it's important to understand any process you have completed in therapy, you would also draw that to the logical complementary process that needs to be done in your chakra system, in your energy body. Conversely, let's say you're doing some great body work or energy energy work that's lifting old patterns, let's say something like overprotection of the heart or something like that. You still, once that's released energetically, the only way to maintain that state 
is to then explore the deeper underlying beliefs or patterns that created that state in the first place. To lift it through the energy work and working with the energy body is lovely. Bless the hearts of you and your practitioners. But if you don't do your homework and clear it in the belief uh, level where your consciousness is shaping those patterns, then you're going to manifest them in a new way. So that's what I mean by saying any therapeutic process needs to be followed or done concurrently with its complementary process um, in the energy body or vice versa. Now, when we have had soul loss and then soul retrieval, hopefully, soul retrieval healing, we have both of these issues. We have not only the need to clear the patterns that the soul loss has created in the energy body, but we have the need to clear the patterns the soul loss has created in the thinking body, in the mind. And so we need after soul retrieval then to follow through on both, thus the need for integration, which is a whole nother show. You can go get that one out of the archives. Um, But also it is the reason that big pieces of either our, our mental therapy process or our energy body energy work therapeutic processes suddenly come to some kind of fruition when we get a soul part back because that work we were doing was on the same issues that were created when the soul part left. And so those things come together at that point by the soul part being brought back. So in other words, to simplify this, I hope that made sense, but to simplify this, you are always free to make a new choice. And that new choice will begin to create new patterns. However, you are also simultaneously living the old choices. So your new patterns will run simultaneously with your old patterns. And at best, they will most likely cancel each other out. And things won't really go anywhere, which I'm sorry, that really sucks. You know, you work really hard, you do the work, you clear the patterns, you make a new choice in life and you want your life to just take off and it doesn't. And the main reason it doesn't is because we don't seem to grasp the simple fact that just because we choose a new pattern doesn't make everything else inside of us that contradicts that pattern go away. We're, we're, we're choosing a new thing. It just lays there on top of the old thing. So if we want this to change, oh, well, and the other thing is, of course, the oldest belief system almost always wins. So over time, as we grow disappointed with this fledgling new pattern we're trying to create with this great new choice that we've made, ultimately, it gets overrun by the old pattern because it has more momentum. The oldest belief system always wins. And choosing something new does not unchoose something old. That's a transformational process. It's not just a process of choice, which is why this idea, this spiritual ambition that we can simply shift our consciousness and will everything into a new shape is folly and spiritual arrogance. That we are choice-based beings and it's a powerful, powerful capacity that we have. But we need to consciously choose to dismantle the old if we want that new pattern to run. So in other words, you are always free to make a new choice. And for that new choice to thrive, you must also unmake all of the old choices that run counter to the new choice. 
and release all of those energies. And that's what brings us back to the energy body because the release is not in the head. The head's already made the new choice. The head is like off and running with that great new choice, right? But the old patterns based on the old choices are held in the body and in the energy body. And that's where they need to be cleared. So the other aspects then of your energy body that are critically important are the form follows thought parts of your energy body. And so these are the places where those structures of the energy body then connect out into your world. So, for example, have my chakra system running up the core of my being. And through um, the Taoistic practices, I'm, I admit I'm not so much aware of my energy meridians, but I'm aware of the microcosmic orbit of the energy coming up the back and down the front and the core channel right down the center. And then because of my shamanic practices, there's some other energy pieces added into that, in particular, the truth cord. The truth cord is an example, is a beautiful example of something that does not exist unless you pay attention to it and shape it and cultivate it and work with it and listen to it. Okay. So other parts of the energy body that are shaped purely from or, or the quality exists purely from how you're, for, how you're thinking about it. So how the form is following the thought or not thinking about it. Because if you're not thinking about it, there's no form for the energy to flow into. So these are very critical connections from your structural energy body, just for now, chakras and energy meridians kind of stuff, out to your boundaries. You're always going to have an aura. And it's going to weeble wobble and do stuff as life happens. But basically, you're going to have an aura. Sometimes you may need it fluffed or buffed or whatever. But the point is, you're going to have an aura. But if you don't think about it, You don't shape it. You don't cultivate it. You don't choose to have it. You're not going to have a boundary. If you don't have a boundary, there's nothing for your helping spirits to connect into to offer you their protection. They're just freelancing at that point. If you have no boundary for them to reinforce. So there's the boundary. There's for me in my practices, the truth cord that runs down the center of all of it. And critically important in today's world, especially since... We've been, we, had, we had, prior to Obama, a presidency of fear-mongering, and now there's stuff going on in people's lives that's creating some real fear. People have been in a state of fear now for almost 12 years, and to not even talk about the fear they were in before that. So the point is people tend to want to be ungrounded and fly, to fight or fly when they're in fear. And so our need to have a healthy grounding cord is critical today, absolutely critical. But if you're not thinking about it, you don't have one. And so it's very, very important. If we're not thinking about boundaries, if you're not shaping and working with your boundaries, asking your helping spirits to fill in where your boundaries are not yet coherent or integrous, then you are food for energy that wants to intrude. And our world right now is filled with energy that is opportunistic and lazy and seeking to feed off your energy. So if you have no boundaries, then you're just offering a come and eat me sign. And so if you have no grounding cord, 
then you are just asking to be constantly have the rug pulled out from underneath you in life. If you have no truth cord, you are running from practitioner to practitioner, boss to boss, partner to partner, trying to figure out where the truth is and utterly unstable in your ability to know what is right for you. So these aspects of the energy body are where that the grounding cord, for example, is how the chakra system connects into the earth, right? The boundaries are about you and this energy world. Everything is energy. We're all one. So what's you and what's not you, right? There are certain things in life that we need to be really clear about that. Other times in life, like certain altered states, certain meditative practices, we're trying to get with the oneness. But that's not where we live. We need to live with a sense of healthy boundaries. So now the next piece that I want to not run out of time to talk about is that one of the things that I have seen in my life, particularly the last 20 years of my shamanic work, is I have really watched how people can cultivate a physical health without a healthy energy body and people that can cultivate a big spiritual life, big spiritual consciousness and utterly ignore the health of their energy and physical body. And that, as I've talked about before, I personally believe the simplest understanding of disease and illness is that it comes into those gaps that we're creating um, when we focus our cultivation in one aspect of who we are And we don't balance the four aspects of being a human. And again, the four aspects of being human, being physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And so back to those people I talked about in the beginning of the show, people who don't want to live in their own body, don't choose to be in their physical body and their energy body, grounded to the earth, aware of their boundaries and really maintaining a healthy and beautiful life in their physical form. That many people cultivate a beautiful, rich and often helpful spiritual life and yet live in a state of health and disease themselves. And there is a cha- there's a eth- real ethical challenge in that. And so what's important for us to understand is that the interface between the energy body and the physical body, well, what's important to understand is when that interface works, the energy body supports the health of the physical body, the physical body supports the health of the energy body, we make choices in our life to cultivate and maintain both, and that we are able to flourish and thrive even in very, very challenging times. So that's the value of having good communication, a good interface between your physical body and its wisdom and your energy body and its wisdom. And thus, through that, a um, really good grounded connection through the energy body then into your spiritual life and into your spiritual practice and into your consciousness. That's what we want. So what I've seen as I've observed in myself, my own dysfunction, but also watched this in others, is that the the interface between the physical body and the energy body is the emotional body. And this is why I think the body-mind-spirit movement in America will fail unless it evolves because it's not just about body-mind-spirit. 
what is so profoundly missing for me in that movement is the emotional body. Or the idea that somehow in the mind and the therapy aspect of our healing, we are actually giving voice to the health and well-being of our emotions. And for those of you that have been in therapy for years, you know that that's not true. And why should it be? It's an entirely different aspect of the human being. It communicates through different channels and it requires different modalities for well-being. That is true for each of the four aspects of the human. And it is the emotional body that is the interface. So let me share a couple stories real quickly. We're running out of time, so I want to do this in a good way. So the simple story for just an everyday person. I was um, reluctantly um, trying to follow some threads um, somewhere on the internet, Facebook. I don't remember what it was. And one of the comments made by someone I don't know was, um, well, yes, but my wounded child is alive and well within me and she always will be. And I've heard this many, many times before, many, many versions from many, many people. And that is the saddest statement I have ever heard. Well, one of the saddest statements I have ever heard. And what that says then is that the child archetype will always be held in shadow within the person and that that shadow energy of the of these life wounds that have occurred will create a constant dissonance between the physical body and the energy body because the emotions are not being allowed to flow to health because as michael talked about last week health is innate health is divinely given everything wants to go to health and we are capable of standing in the way of everything And to have that idea that somehow having your wounded child alive and well within you is a good thing and is some ultimate final stage of healing is a misunderstanding. And it keeps the emotional body from moving to health. Because anything that is in shadow can be brought out of shadow through transformation. And this is one of the great arts in shamanism. And any wounded child is simply the shadow of the child. And it needs to be allowed to heal. And that lack of healing in the emotional body will show up then in that person who holds that idea in their energy body and in their physical body. And what I see with people who allow the wounded child to run the show um, and make their decisions for them is that ultimately the child destroys the house. In other words, the body ends up being destroyed by that. Now, I want to share another story though. So that's a story for basic Every day, all of us, every day, all of us people is our understanding of how critically important it is to develop a healthy emotional life so that our physical body and energy body can communicate clearly with each other. And that in in all of that coming together, we don't distort then our spiritual information and our spiritual life. And so I want to share one other story that I experienced so that that we can all understand and have compassion and humility for ourselves because this story is a story of a colleague and a a well-respected practitioner, like a person that, that has every reason to not get caught in this little trap that I'm talking about. And we were presenting at a conference and it was after hours and there was a, a bar there and we were sitting and having a drink and speaking with some other conferencees. And a woman arrived and spoke with this colleague of mine. 
and started talking about how she was at the conference because that person was there and that person was presenting. That was the entire reason she came to the conference. And she was just so excited. And so we invited her to sit down. She sat down. She had a drink with us. Another round of drinks was ordered for those who wanted another drink. And out of the left field, this colleague of mine began to practice shamanism on this woman who was not asking for it. And the situation became very uncomfortable and unresolved and people started leaving because it was so uncomfortable. And so what you see there is in a seasoned practitioner who knew better, that momentary excitement of the ego to have this person adoring them got charged up and all of a sudden her energy body got that spirit body going and she went into shaman mode without listening to her physical body, which would have said, hello, I've had three drinks. This is a bad idea because the emotional body got trapped in an unresolved emotional pattern. Ego got triggered and all those unresolved issues from childhood that are the insecurity that's always underneath the ego acting up like that got triggered. And so that unresolved emotional stuff kept her well-developed energy body from speaking with her physical body and making a good decision. And so it can happen to the best of us if we do not accept our responsibility not only to cultivate the energy body itself, but the interface between that energy body and the physical body through our cultivation of a healthy emotional life. And where that feels impossible, we need to understand it's probably soul loss. And where it's soul loss, we need to be willing to ask for help from a shaman and and heal that so that we allow the constant movement towards health in the emotional body so the energy body and the physical body can communicate seamlessly with each other and that they can be the firm foundation that they are all meant to be for a human to open up to their consciousness and their spiritual development and that their consciousness and spiritual develop development will be hobbled if we do not create that foundation of the healthy energy, physical, and emotional body. And so this to me is the core of the vital energy body, is our willingness simply to be in the practices day by day, clear what we find, understand what true energy clearing is. And if we don't, go learn. There are simple practices to, and you just simply need to be willing to do them. As I said earlier, the teachings are everywhere. They are available to us. We need to make ourselves available to them. So I'd like to thank the Helping Spirits for gathering around us, for all of those people who spent their lives cultivating these practices so that we could stumble over them once again in our lives today. I want to thank the ancestors, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart within each one of us that unites us all. I want to thank you all for listening and let you know that our next show will be about shamanism and sorcery. And so we're going to look at the distinction between the two, which is somewhat fuzzy in shamanism. um, And we'll look at why that is. But what I really want to focus on in the show primarily is what I call unconscious sorcery. The sorcery that you are most likely doing and how you could stop doing it.
And so that's our topic for next week. If you want information about the upcoming classes um, at Last Mass Center, there are classes this winter and beginning in the spring. You can go to lastmaskcenter.org. And, of course, the archives of all the shows that I referred to today and today's show are at whyshamanismnow.com. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs>